Okay, welcome back to part two of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, if you've missed part one, you've missed us talk about the start of the season, take the piss out of James for his predictions and uh, focus on a couple of players who impressed and, well, one who supposedly hasn't impressed in the first um, five games. Coming up in this second part, we will start our Blast from the Past um, series. Uh, I'll talk to Tony about a couple of the players and staff from the 82-83 season and then we'll get stuck into the transfer window, cost of football, the matches up to the international break and then we'll have a chat about Newlands Park. Tony, 40th anniversary of that afternoon where Raddy Antic sent thousands of you at Main Road absolutely crackers. Uh, I'm far too young to remember. You are indeed. You were a wee nipper when Raddy Antic put that in the back of the net, I'm sure. But I'm sure you can remember that day as if it was yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, it was a great day. Absolutely brilliant day. Um, Use of phrase, it was shit or bust that day. Um, It had been a tremendous season. First season back in the old first division since we got relegated in 74, 75. Um, couple of indifferent seasons, uh, a new manager in David Pleat who didn't have the best of starts, but he put together and built an absolutely cracking side that played some of the best football I've ever seen Luton Town play. And it, it, it was just a, an absolutely tremendous season where the, the team got a lot of plaudits and played some wonderful football. Um, but it, it went into that last week leading up to the game on Main Road. Manchester City needed a point. We had to win. Um, and uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. A great game, a well-deserved win. Uh, only marred by two things was the um, reaction of the Manchester City supporters afterwards in attacking some of our players and then to get the news that um, the club were planning to move to Milton Keynes when we were on the way home from the game. I've got a story about that, actually. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a Luton fan called Roger Taverno, who's a red-top journalist, and found himself in the chairman's office after that game and he saw that bit of paper that, that said about that move and so he pinched it and that's how it got out in the in the world <laughs> brilliant yeah brilliant and that's uh that's what i, I think if, if i'd have been in the chairman's office and i'd seen that i yeah. wouldn't just pinch it i'd be tackling him about it trying it to make trying it, to make him eat it yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think our fans did more or less tell them a couple of times where I to get off it. like with the junction 12 nonsense before it was over that Previous time that, like that's it. when i got to know les miller and that, you know it was uh some good things come of it then. Oh yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cover the season and the games yeah. and that game in particular in later episodes. But let's just talk about the man that you alluded to there, the man who masterminded it all, uh, David Pleat. When I did a column for the program on mm-hmm. people's Luton's eleven, people of the generation just above me would always have David Pleat as the manager of their Luton eleven. I'm guessing you're similar. I've, I've had comments like the greatest manager Luton have ever had and things like that. Is that how you saw him? I'd say one of them, one of them. I mean, um, I was fortunate a lot, you know, uh, to be around when we had people like Alex Stock, who was a good manager, and Harry Haslam as well, who who put together a good side that got us promotion in 73, 74. Um, And when Pleat came in, originally he was, if I remember correctly, he was youth team coach. And within a a short space of time, he found him promo- himself promoted to first team coach, and then first team manager, uh, because Harry Haslam left and went to Sheffield United, which upset a lot of people. didn't Didn't want Harry Haslam to go, but um, at the time we we questioned the club, you know, because David Pleat didn't have any real sort of reputation within the game. But uh, we we almost got relegated that first season um, in when he was manager, and then you you could see he he started to put his own stamp on the team with some of the players that were coming in. I mean, some of the old guard went out like Jimmy Husband and Phil Borsma, people like that, and um, he 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 did uh, hold faith with you know people like Alan West and Paul Price. Pete, 
you know, players like that. But then he started to bring in his own players and um, I think Pleat was always one of these. He liked bringing in young talent, but he always liked to have a steady older head amongst them. So uh, consequently, you know, we we had Brian Steen brought in as, as a young player. Uh, took a while to find his feet in the side. But at the same time, uh, David Pleat brought in Bob Hatton. And Bob Hatton had a lot to do with the development of uh, Brian Steen. And uh, I can remember um, on close season, he, he signed players. And I think, Do you know, God, I can't remember hearing anything about Who's David Moss? Who the hell's Mal Donaghy? <laughs> you know, um, Steve Sherlock and Kirk Stevens. And you, you know, you think... But, a bit like now then, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you, you, you look at it, 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 what those players actually achieved for us. I mean, yeah, Steve Sherlock, unfortunately, didn't work out. But Kirk Stevens, what a fantastic right back for us. Uh, David Moss, I don't really need to say too much about that, do I? Brian Steen, Bob Hatton had a couple of good seasons with us, you know, and a great player. I can remember one game where um, Bob Hatton, he'd had a bad game, so completely dropped him. And uh, I I wish I could remember um, which, which game it was, but the game afterwards, where he dropped him, Bob Hatton was on the bench. So uh, I think it was the second half, Pleaty pulled off whoever and put Bob Hatton on, because Hatton scored. And the next thing, he was running over to the to the bench, giving it the V signs <laughs> to David Pleat. <laughs> and to fair play to David Pleat, he said afterwards, in, in, in the, he said, he can do that all day as long as he scores goals, <laughs> uh, which was great. But, you know, some people looked at Pleaty and thought, you know, perhaps not the world's greatest motivator because of the sort of character he was. But he knew his football and he was always regarded as one of the game's great thinkers. And I, I was so surprised that looking back that we kept him as long as he as he as we did. Um, I always thought that he, he'd go much sooner because of what he achieved with us. Uh, you know, when he got that side right and it was the 81 82 season where we won the what is now the championship where we absolutely walked away with it and we only lost four league matches all season we just blitzed it and um you know all our play centered around david moss and ricky hill you know who's another one that uh, drastically improved he had an impact when he came into the side ricky hill uh, but he became such a great player, probably one of the best players Luton's ever had. Uh, and, you know, to watch that guy and, and, and how much he would be worth now. But that team that he had, that, that first period plate was at, at, the, at the club. It was, you know, you, you talk about the, the Dutch team of the 74-78 World Cup and total football. That's what we were like. I've never seen a Luton side pass and move like this team did. And they went out with the attitude, you might score a goal against us, you might score two goals against us, but we will score one more than you. And Kirk Stevens seemed to epitomise the whole spirit of the squad with... um, always playing with a smile on his face. I mean, you all know Basher now. You know what sort of a character he was. That's how he played football, you know, and um, so enthusiastic. And, of course, um, you know, I know he has trouble remembering it, but that goal he scored at Watford on Boxing Day. <laughs> uh, cracking goal as well. Set up for him by uh, Bob Hatton as well. With, with anybody else would have been in that corner playing for, for the final whistle, we got a point, but no, Hatton, bang. Stephen's totally unmarked, bang, in the goal. You know, uh, great, great times. And, you know, and then in the close season of that, uh, in the end of the 81-82 season, when, when we'd actually, you know, I'd never seen anything like it. And then um, he, he let Steve White go. Who'd, I mean, if I remember correctly, Brian Steen... Finished our top scorer in 23. 
and Steve White scored 21 goals. But um, he brought in Paul Walsh and let Steve White go to Charlton. And we were all thinking, well, Walsh, <laughs> no disrespect to Paul Walsh. Look at the size of him and the age he is. He's only 19, but what a player. And what a partnership with, with Brian Steen. And that used to be great to watch in the 82-83 season because if you kept one of them quiet, the other one was causing havoc. And you look at what they did. I remember going to Anfield for the game up there, all thinking that that Liverpool side at that time, we were going to get stuffed. We scored first. You know, you've probably seen it on YouTube, the goal where Walsh turned Lawrence inside out, crossed Steen, bang, back of the net. And then, of course, Liverpool, you know, when we had three goalkeepers, Finley got injured, Kirk Stevens went in goal, and in the second half it was Mal Donaghy. And um, it was incredible because they came back, Rush scored, I remember this, and then Sunes with a fantastic volley from outside the box made it 2-1. Got to half-time, we're all thinking, good God, you know, we're all, you know, what are they going to do to us in the second half? We come in the second half, we're playing them, we're playing them off the pitch. Mossy equalised, Steen scored another 3-2. And they were lucky to get an equaliser in Liverpool. Right? And I was so proud of my team. Um, and that that right from the, the get-go of that first, first, first game, away at Tottenham, a 2-2 draw. Um, and they could, you know, I said, do you know what? We're all worried about going into the first division. We've got nothing to fear or whatever, but we're going to get a few. But that first game against Tottenham, we're going to be all right here. Nothing's going to worry worry us or whatever. We lost the next game, 2-0 at home to West Ham. Who came and did a good job on us. But then if I, I, I'm trying to remember, what we, I think we played Notts County at home and Paul Walsh got a hat-trick. Absolutely fantastic hat-trick. Cracking games. And, and we, do, we, um, we won... Try four four draw at Stoke as well. David Moss missed a penalty in the last few minutes as well, where we could have won five four. Um, we again we, we beat Birmingham three two. Um, all, all sorts of games. You know the the only sad point on it was that things like coming up to that last few games of the season when we um, if we'd beaten Everton at home we'd have been safe. But we went 1-0 up. Oh, fantastic runaway. We lost 5-1. We absolutely <laughs> collapsed. And then the next game, away to Manchester United. Oh, I'm not going to get anything here. We didn't, 3-0. And then Main Road. And it, we were all sort of like thinking, we'll get a point, we'll be down. But I oh, just turned it around and they, and they were brilliant. And to give... Credit to Pleaty as well, the sort of character he was. Um, Ross Jenkins playing for Watford had his uh, testimonial match a few days before that game. Uh, and Pleat took a full strength Luton side down there to play in that testimonial. And apparently, when we actually won that game and stayed up, um, apparently there was quite a roar in the Watford fans because we did that, because we stayed up, because we'd done that. We didn't have to do that. Um, so that shows you the measure of the man. The only thing for me was disappointing when he went to Tottenham, and he's he's since done a couple of things, you know, that I I didn't particularly like when he he, he turned around and said basically it should go to Milton Keynes, it would be better for it. And the other thing was when he made comments hasn't about since, Luton being a feeder club for Spurs. Hasn't he yeah, since said? Um, he regrets those comments about going to Milton yeah, Keynes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> he, he does it's that. probably probably an ill-advised comment, I would say. Yeah. I mean, also the opinions change, don't they? Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, true. But also when he left us, he, he did say he wouldn't come back and take any of our players. But he took Mitchell, Mitchell Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. He was a really good left-back at the time. I think Mitch so, was that yeah. good, though. He, yeah. He'd have got that sort of level anyway. Yeah, with so, the you know, took him but... Or not. I, I've often, you know, I'd, I'd, a couple of friends who are Tottenham fans, and at the time, and, and what happened with Pleat at Tottenham, um, I think Tottenham used that as an excuse because Scola wanted uh, Venables. But I honestly believe if they hadn't got rid of Pleat and stuck with him, I think he'd have got the title for Spurs because he totally changed that team around. 
and they they were a good side. So. Great manager, but he ain't going to win Strictly anytime soon, is he? Yeah, uh, not with uh, not with that jig. But obviously, we all know with the um, story behind that <laughs> yeah. now. Um, you mentioned three goalkeepers at Anfield. It's actually a uh, goalkeeper injury that uh, for Jake Findlay le- led to the goalkeeper was in goal at Main Road that day, Tony Gordon, wasn't yes. it? He joined on loan. I mean, he only played 12 games for Luton, so I'm guessing he joined on loan maybe three months before the Man City game. But he didn't really have a lot to do at Man City, but I'm sure he still had a big impact over the course of them 12 he games. Did, he, he did what he had to do. And he, he was a good goalkeeper. I mean, we should good mention goalkeeper. the goalkeepers of that time are not like today where they're midfielders with gloves on. They, you know... you defender could pass the ball back and keeper could pick it up couldn't he so it, keepers were better with their hands than their feet in them days well yeah I mean it, it, I, I was going to mention it, the, the, the classic thing about showing the difference between players uh, then and today is is this this film of Finley he got injured at Anfield so he had to be replaced and then later on in the second half he's sitting on the bench smoking a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> it eased the pain <laughs> you know and, and then you, you you had a few players that Played for the club that went notorious for going out on the, uh, the lash. alcohol, yeah, on the lash. Mm. You know, mentioning no names, Mr. Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Godden was on loan from West Brom, though. Yes, wasn't he? He, yes, he was, and he 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 came in and he he did a good job for us. A good goalkeeper, very good goalkeeper, and he was part of that up in in Main Road. And as I said, he did pull off some good saves for us, and he had a good game. But as you said, he it's, City had one or two. Uh, chances at goal that day, but and they had they did have most of the possession, but they didn't really threaten us that greatly. I mean, it, it really annoyed me watching the match back on match of the day because the BBC totally edited it to, uh, to give a wrong impression. They showed practically all of Manchester City and very Luton, little Luton Town. In fact, actually, I, I can remember um, my cousin, who was an Aston Villa fan, saying to me. Um, Having watched matches as they, he said, you only had one chance and scored. I said, no, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> and even if it was, you yeah, only need one well, chance. That's all you do. <laughs> yeah. exactly. it's football, isn't it? exactly. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, it was a great season. And I'm looking forward to uh, looking back on that as we go through this current season. Um, but yeah, that's David Pleat, the manager. Mm-hmm. And Tony Godden, uh, the, 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 well, better than standing goalkeeper, the on-loan goalkeeper of that time. Uh, it's a history lesson for you there, uh, James. But um, why, why am I hearing the Coronation Street thing? Hovis theme tune, yeah, right? Yeah, we should yeah. get, see if we get the rights there. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I'm thinking. Let's bring it back to more um, present day sort of times then. Um, James, transfer window still open for another eight days as we speak. Is it more about making sure we keep what we've got than um, bringing more in? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd be. They've brought plenty in. <clears throat> they need to get them to jail. He's gone on record, Jones, as saying that they've really only not pl- replaced like for like um, a Naismith, really. But I think as we discussed in part one of this ep- uh, this podcast that um, Potts is doing a pretty good job there. Uh, he's not Cal Naismith, but he's, he's making that role his own. So um, I think it's, I think it will be quiet. Um, and they always say, oh, if something comes available, then they will. But they've spent money this summer as well, haven't they? Whereas pre- previously it's been all free, free players. And we don't know how much money, undisclosed, but you can, you can kind of work it out from yourself from like little leaks from the other sides of the deal, um, as to how many <clears throat> millions they've paid out. And it is into the millions, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it yeah. is a decent outlay this summer. Yeah. Um, They've re- they've recruited what they needed to do, um, from what happened to them at the end of the season, where they were severely lacking in firepower. Yes, they haven't scored the goal so far, but the they firepower will. is there yeah. and it will come good. It's so they've, they've recruited that. Um, <clears throat> they've got themselves some very useful midfield players, and uh, packed out the packed out the goalie ranks as well. So I think that don't don't expect too much. Um, yeah, don't sit there at 11.59 <laughs> refreshing your Twitter feed is basically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's fair <laughs> enough. Dan, anything that we need? Um, I think James pretty much hit it, really, unless I think Nathan's alluded to it already, you know, if, unless there's anything that we see that we can do. 
we're not going to do it, um, which is right. You know, I, I think if anything, it might be a couple of development players, a bit more like your Peppel, like Bim Peppel or whatever. Um, or players out. I mean, they probably have to get some out on loan. Yeah, I think he said he needs to get a couple out. We've yeah. seen Mendes Gomez go out and snap his hamstring straight away. Um, but one or two might go out. I couldn't tell you who. Probably Dion Pereira, I'd say, he might go out. Um, I'd like to see him in and around the team. Um, from what little I've seen of him pre-season and the Newport game, he stood out as somebody who I think can add something to us if we're going to be a bit more attacking. Um, but I, I, th- I think we're pretty well covered in a lot of areas. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything. Really, so basically then, Tony, it's keep Elijah, keep Alan Campbell and keep Reese Burke as a, and that's a good transfer window. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, there's nothing really I can add further to what, um, James and Dan have said because I, I I totally agree with them. Um, as, as I said earlier, I, I don't think that there's that pressing need now for a left sided centre back because of the emergence of Dan Potts there. Um, but obviously, I'm sure they they keep an eye on availability and if the right player comes up, they'll go for it. But but what so, they're doing now is they're buying for the future anyway, aren't they? With yeah. the likes of Peppel and McAteer. McAtee, sorry. He ain't for the future, McAteer. No, not McAteer. No, he's he's long gone, he has. So they're they're doing that, really. It's, it's, you know, they're they're, they're taking care of tomorrow today, really, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're okay. So it's a good job that Adebayo got himself injured last season and so bloody disinterested of this season, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he was interested, it would be worth 100 million by now, wouldn't it? Joke, he's not disinterested. But no, I, I, I think yeah, I think you're more likely to see players out on loan than anything else. Like, I can't see anybody coming in splashing cash at the moment. Especially, I, I, I don't think anybody will come in and, and pay big money for Elijah. The form he's in at the moment, um, I think if anything, he's more likely to go in the January transfer window than now. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, Quick thoughts, because we'll react further to it if it actually comes through, and I'm not convinced that it does, but uh, the Premier League are going to give up parachute payments, aren't they, if football league clubs, particularly championship clubs, take their young talent on loan. Just a couple of lines on that. I know you're not a fan, but a couple of lines no, on it. No, I'm not. I, I think it's um, it's B-teams by the, the back door. Um, I don't think any football league club is going to want a Premier League club dictating to them um, who who they'll have and when they'll play, um, whatever. And, and I think, once again, it's the, the greedy six looking after the greedy six. Uh, there should be more money uh, sent, you know, dropped down to the lower leagues without strings attached. You know, you, you know full well that um, the, the Premier League are not going to give anything it's going to have to be dragged out of them, you know. I, I, I you know, I don't think it'd be easier getting a point out of you, Kev, than getting money from the Premier League. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it, it's uh, strength and strength and conditioning last month. I don't dread to think what you're it's on next right. month. I'm safe, he can't reach me. Um, no, seriously, it's with uh, the under twenty ones at the very yeah, least. It, it, <laughs> there always is something it's something with the Premier League isn't it? It, it it's always we're not giving anything up without um, doing this because they don't think about what's for the best of the game in the game they don't think about what's best for supporters um, all they think about is how can we make more money because mm. they're really struggling and, for and it I, I think you know it's rampant capitalism it's the un acceptable face of capitalism you know I think, that, I think that's worse than capitalism yeah. I think it's mafia shit that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mean, not going to happen no. though is it clubs aren't going to vote for it it's no, not what the fan led no, review no, I, I, um, I, I, recommended no but parachute payments need to go yeah, that can't. That needs to go. That's just that is what the um, fan-led review recommended. Yeah, but it didn't say anything about terms and conditions and attachments and anything else, did no, it? No, it's ridiculous. And for them to like 
tack that sort of nonsense on and I like that the only, beatings the only by thing the back door comment it's I'd like, say with that yeah. it, it's gone very quiet on that and, yeah and, I think and, they and I, I get the impression that the government are hoping that it will be forgotten about but it's up to the likes of us to make sure they don't forget about yeah, it yeah absolutely I think it was one of those we'll chuck it out in the media we'll see what the reaction is yeah. and obviously it's been a negative reaction because it is a negative thing and now it's gone quiet and they're probably plotting their next idea to um oh i mean if you're taking football as a whole then surely you've got to build on the women's game after the summer of success that england have had and if there's well they're all retiring aren't they well only two but if there's money to chuck about then why not try and boost that uh as a as a prospect i mean it's it's going the right direction anyway but give that some help as well uh, the the fan led review was for the whole shebang, wasn't it? Um, but obviously, you know, like you said, Tony, Premier League clubs are only interested in their own self purpose. But who is who isn't in football? Really, I thought the fan led review didn't go far enough. Actually, I I I, and I, I said this to Nadine Dorries when we met up with her. Yeah, but I bet that went in one ear and come out the yeah. other. I said, to, I, I said, she thought you were talking about should, cricket. There should be a ban on foreign ownership. Mm. You know, um, why are these people coming over here, getting involved in our game? It's not because they love the game and they want to do things for supporters. It's because they see easy money to be made. They can globalise that, it. That's they can make it more popular in what it's all about. Or like they can sport, sports wash their own reputation. See, yeah. Yeah. Manchester yeah. City versus Newcastle City has now and, been and dubbed the sports washing derby, which I, is perfectly apt. I, I think. also think <laughs> the situation should be banned where you, you and uh, I'm sorry to swear, but you've got like Watford, got <laughs> club, club owners. Owning Watford, owning Udinese, they just sold a yeah. fella for sixteen yeah. million to themselves, and didn't like, they? Yeah. yeah, disgrace. I mean, so that's you shouldn't be allowed to basic, own more than one uh, more than one club. That's mm. basically money laundering, isn't it? Yeah. That sixteen million quid I mean, it's not without. Common. I know Leicester with, City own a club out yeah. in Belgium, and yeah. um, Chelsea own somebody else as well, don't they? So and Man City and the well, City, group City Group own every year. Chelsea are another example. You've got a Premier League club hoovering up all young talent to loan them out to make money. Yeah. And on and a, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, totally that's, wrong. Say on a lesser note, you've got Barnsley who, um, they give us all their, all our feeder club. They own a Belgian club and loan Cameron McGeehan out to them. <laughs> that is very, that is, and then the rest of the players they give to us yeah. which I think is part <laughs> of then, our scouting and, and then everybody thinks we're going down because we've bought half a bar of this squad <laughs> so, well we did have a better squad than them last year and we just sort of pick, cherry pick the best ones and we did get this feeling that Mick Harford sitting in in, um, in his office looking at the Barnsley yearbook yeah we'll have him we'll have him he's well, a big lad we'll have him it, 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 that pre-season friendly against West Ham was basically uh, Luton Town v Luton Town in five years wasn't it it's yeah. sort of what, yeah. what tends to happen uh, we'll react more to um, that loan stuff as and when it goes through but it isn't going to go through is it so um, we'll park it there but you did say Tony about um, footballers uh, sorry football clubs only thinking about how much money they can make Uh well, they seem to think they can make a lot of money out of us fans at the minute, don't they? Because the price of going to a football match and supporting a football team these days has never been higher. Yet two years ago, you could not move for the slogan, football is nothing without fans. Now, it seems like football is nothing without fans because now we can charge them the arm, an arm and a leg. Now, I did think about doing just ticket prices here because there's a lot of hoo-ha from Hull City in there that they've got to pay 36 quid to go to QPR. To go to QPR. Yeah. Um, and, and rightly so, I'm absolutely not poo-pooing that. That, that, that is absolute an outrage. Disgrace. But actually, it's the whole shebang. Yeah, I think everyone saw on social media how much it is to get a pint down your Gregory at the London Stadium. And that's an outrage, and they've already lowered them prices because of the backlash that they faced. And also, you go into any club shop at the minute, and it's 55 quid for an adult to buy that team's replica share. 55 English pounds at a time where no one can pay their bills because of the cost of living and everything else. And these football clubs, who are nothing without the fans, as we keep getting told in this slogan, are charging all of this. They cannot be right. And unfortunately, we've got to say our own club is part of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Um, 55 quid. Come it, on it, now. You know, it, it, it's like um, 
there will there will come a tipping point. It, it's like what's happening. You can see it in in the country now the the, the economy with uh, the strikes and everything. There comes a point where people will only put up with so much, and you know it, it it's the money that's going around. When 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 you and I, I don't want to get into a political thing, but um, when you see people at the bottom, cleaners and things like that who are either not getting pay rises or getting a pittance, and you see CEOs get it. I mean, I think it's one of the energy suppliers. He, he's the CEO of this company. He was given a 47% increase. That's about the so increase in share prices, isn't it? Three million pounds It's disgraceful. It's an utter, utter disgrace. And unfortunately, um, you've got clubs who are using supporters as cash cow, you know, because it it's not the same as other businesses. Um, other businesses have got competitors, but supporters, they support their club through thick and thin. So I think overall what's happened is you've got clubs taking supporters for granted. You know, now I think our football club are doing it to a certain extent and, you know, they're charging £55 for an adult shirt, but they've put that up. So they've lowered the price of junior shirts, okay, so to encourage more youngsters buying shirts for promoting uh, supporters of the future. But even so, it, it, it's it's still too much. And, uh, you know, you're going to go, and you're quite right, I mean, I think it's West Ham, isn't it, where it's £7 for a pint? More than that, £8 it was. It's now down to 7 30 but it was £8.40 Absolutely. at one point, wasn't it? 7 30 is the time you should be going in a pub for a pint anyway, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly that, yeah. You know, we're living in Sweden. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's... Well, it's worse, it's it, East End oh, of London. Oh, I tell you <laughs> what, it, 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 it's absolutely crazy. And, don't get, you know, with... with QPR and QPR, they did it to us last season with the ticket prices. They're doing it to Hull now. £39. How can they justify that? Fair play to they, Hull. They have to pay for the price of the police kettling you down particular lanes at QPR. Yeah, that's it, right. it, it keep, you know, causing Paying problems. Paying yeah. on walking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Fair play to Hull. At least Hull are putting on yeah. free coaches for their supporters. But it's yeah. the old story, isn't it? In the Premier League... Um, Clubs can survive on the TV money. They don't need to charge their supporters anything. But if you look at the cost of their season tickets, um, you know, I know uh, guys, I can think of one person in particular who was an Arsenal fan. He's got, but now he goes to Luton and he takes his kids to Luton because I can afford this. He mm. said, I can't afford going to Arsenal. I know somebody, he said, if I go, uh, if I go to Chelsea and take my kids... You know, you're looking at 200 quid for a day. Yeah. And he said, I just can't justify that. Mm. You know, so uh, it, it's constant piss taking. Yeah. It's cruelty to children to take them to Chelsea anyway, isn't it? Let's be, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's child honest. abuse, yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be worse. It could be I mean. Yellow, yellow and red and black. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned. Really Do you know what? You me- I've always, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I reckon. <laughs> That every player that Watford signed have got to be colour blind. Because you wouldn't go out wearing that kit if you were, you know, if you had full colour vision, would you, Kev? Uh, no, you wouldn't. No, exactly. You absolutely absolutely wouldn't. I mean, in the Premier League, though, and you're right, it is expensive, but in the Premier League, away tickets are capped at 30 quid across yeah. the board. So why are leveled. Still too much. Still too much. And, and I agree with you, but yeah. why are leveled down from that someone paying £9 more than. The elite, Suppo- yeah. you know, the supposed elite. But it's not just QPR. £32.50 for me to get into Swansea on Saturday. Now, that's £32.50. Now, OK, I go with someone else and I share the petrol, but that was still another £32.50. So I was just forked out 65 quid and I ain't even walked in the place yet. Mm. You know, and, I, and I've I've shared petrol with someone. If I've gone on my own, I'm, near, I'm nearly up to a one now and I've not walked in the place yet. I've not eaten, I've not drunk, I've not done nothing. I'm sorry, but you can't be doing this 23 times a year. No. no. It's going to it's get worse, isn't it? Yeah. Reason. Been, uh, sorry, James. Another reason now, because if people are going away to games 
and they're paying this sort of money. You can understand fans getting upset and getting over the top if their team doesn't perform. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it was twenty eight quid, I think it was, at Bristol City, and we we didn't even fucking put a puff on them, did we? I mean, twenty eight knows for that. Tanner and I follow. Well, that is the thing, though, isn't it? Because you know, more and more people are going to these illegal streaming sites that they're all trying to shut down, aren't they? But why wouldn't you? When it's ten pound to watch that, or if you do it illegally, not even the ten pound. Or £32.50 to go to a game of £32.50. I'll take one of my what? mates to a game and it, it's just, I have to think twice. He wants to go to every game. I took him to Peterborough because I stupidly mentioned it and he goes, let's go. So I thought, well, we'll go. But if you look at our fixtures, you know, we're Burnley away, Bristol City 30 away, quid, Swansea Burnley. away, all in a month. Yeah. That, I mean, got, still got Cardiff to come. Oh, yeah. Fair play to them. Nineteen. <laughs> fair play to Cardiff. Nineteen pound a ticket. Yeah. That absolutely Black should be flagged up because that yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I th- I personally think twenty five or less in this division, you're on a sound footing so. with your ticket prices. Yeah. Anything more than twenty five quid. Bearing in mind you're you are watching a second level product, not a top level product. A second level. Anything more than twenty five, I think you're taking the piss. Yeah. Plus, like, I have to sort of justify paying 32 quid for a ticket and, and then I'm arguing with my wife while she's spending 60 quid on a haircut. There is. Do you know what I mean? So that argument happens all the time in our house, right? Plus, you've got to get the fuel in there as well. Can't do much worse. <laughs> I'll supply the lawnmower, Tony. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it, and the fuel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's time for it to stop, though, James, isn't yeah, yeah. it? <clears throat> well, it's time for it to stop across the board, uh, <clears throat> not just in football. In, in this country, right now, <clears throat> we're getting the piss taken out of us. And I think eventually, you know, Tony said people are only take so much, but I think we... we we take it and take it and take it. I think if, if we were France, we'd be out in the streets having a bit of a riot and a bit of a, a bit of a tear up, and then the government would back down and um, maybe authorities would back down and stuff like that. But we just take it and we pay it and we moan about it, and that needs to change. I think we, we don't to... recommend that in football, though. We're not going out of no, the no, football no, grounds no, no, and having no, a tear no, up. No, no, no. no. I, I'm talking about lawful civil disobedience to protest <laughs> against things that you don't agree with. Yeah. That changes on a regular basis because what's lawful one week or they'll outlaw... Well, they're trying to outlaw, all, trying to outlaw all of it. They're trying to outlaw protest but, in, in general and, and they probably will because we won't stick up for ourselves. Well, I mean, also, football fans don't help themselves, do they? Because Man United had a protest on Monday and they were all sat there watching Man United beat Liverpool. So you kind of... Well, the two percent of United fans that were at Old Trafford were doing that. The other ninety percent were at home in Somerset watching on the telly. No, that is very true. Well, that was the good thing about them losing four 0 at Brentford, wasn't it? Half of them walked home. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. But it's just we're at a point now where if football really is for the fans, like all of these clubs say, and if football really was terrible without the fans two years ago when no one was allowed in, it's time for them to show it and start yeah. right across the board offering prices that reflects the match day experience you get and allows you to support a club without being out of pocket. Because, you know, we've got three kits this season. So if you want to buy all three of them kits, you've done 165 quid. 165 quid. It's just... It's not... It's not, And that's every year, you know. But the, it's not the sustainable. Germans, the Germans have got it right. They're, they're yeah, bang they on, have, the Germans. The Germans have got because it right. Yeah, but they've got 51% ownership, ownership, yeah, ownership on every club. And I'd love to, I'd love to see that. But it isn't yeah. just that they've got fifty-one percent fan ownership on that, though, James. It's because they've got a financial structure across that league that every club isn't chasing for every pound that it can get to compete with the next club in it. Got a, Whereas got, here at Luton, we've got to chase every single pound we can get our value hands on because we are chasing all of these clubs that are outspending. And getting themselves into all of the mess that they're getting themselves into, yeah. and we're having to do because we're, we're doing it the right way. We're having to get these pounds that are more valuable and more precious to us in order to compete, and that is why. But we're in Germany; they don't have that problem, yeah, and that's why they don't charge fifty five quid a ticket, fifty five quid a shirt, yeah. ten pound a pint, and everything else. Well, football finances are a mess, and everybody knows it, and that needs to change. Um, but they did a money in the game. Yeah, they're, they're going to mothball that f- football fan review. They probably already have because the government will change next month and they'll just forget about it. But there's plenty of money in the game without exploiting the fans for more of it. 
Yeah, and then the fans will keep paying it. So as long yeah. as people are paying well, then, it, then fans need to understand that fans hold the power, really. And Luton is a good example of this. Um, when Luton didn't want Gurney in, they didn't buy in season tickets <laughs> and had to change. Yeah. So if you don't, if you on mass organise yourself and say we're not putting up with this anymore, I'm not just saying Luton. If it's it's across the board in football, if you do that, that's when your voice will be heard. But at the minute, we just take it. We just take it and take it and take it. And that's got to change. The fight against the European Super League showed what can be done. Exactly. Yeah, it did. And that, that's that's the sort of blueprint you the, need for it. But there's too many fans out there who've got the attitude, um, I just want to see my team play. Yeah. and Which is fair enough. But like I've just said, it's going to cost you 65 quid to see your team play here, there and everywhere. Yeah. There's only so many times you want to see your team play for that. It, because you're not... It, it's it's not up to us. Football shouldn't be... Know, the supports organisations, us right. as a trust, you know, through the FSA, to make sure... And that fan-led review isn't forgotten about. It's not. And we yeah. are expecting them to do something about it. It's not like you're getting a top-level product for your 39 quid at QPR no, either, because the game will stop every two minutes with someone, whichever team's winning, all time waste as to what happens. Yeah. You, you're getting yeah. a shit product, you're paying an arm and a leg for it, and the only ones that win are these football clubs. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think I could do that, play 39 quid <clears throat> to, to watch us play them off the park and then scabby gets, get a lucky break and... You know, yeah, yeah. Well, as they ho- always do. Hopefully, something's been done by the time we go there at Christmas. But yeah. um, time will tell. Look, we're a precipice, I think, and I hope that we are because ticket prices are going out of control, and so is everything else inside a football stadium. Even allowing for the free water that we got during the Preston game, that'll go up to cover it. It will, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but it, it can't be that only the richest people can watch football because then you lose what football's about. And it's just the contradiction to be a working man's yeah. game. It's just the yeah, contradiction that has been sold. It's that. just the yeah. contradiction that football is supposedly nothing without fans, and then football clubs want yeah. to do nothing but exploit their fans. You but know, as, as in life, as in football, if you can afford all these increases, you should still be kicking up a fuss for your fellow for the fan people that and can't, your friends yeah. that can't. Yeah, on principle as well. Yeah, yeah. on principle as well. Why, why would you pay thirty quid for a ticket you paid twenty five for last year? Yeah. And how do you justify it? I mean, the clubs can't turn around and say, well, we lost a year and a half's worth of revenue because of COVID. Well, you didn't lose that money because people were still paying iFollow. People were still buying the merchandise. And they were. All right, people were cutting down a little and bit. And where we're concerned, we all still brought the same amount of season yeah. tickets. And, and last yeah. season, Luton sold out how many games? Near enough all of them, pretty much. So Luton can't really... Luton, as a prime example, can't really say that they lost out too much because people there's still a waiting list I've spoken to Mike about it a few times he said there's a massive waiting list for season tickets ticket prices we can't do anything about they'll never be but do we sell more uh, more shirts at 40 quid than we do at 55 quid you'll sell more shirts at 40 quid because I'm not buying one until it goes yeah no I'm the same I'm the same they they have said in a club shop that last year's isn't being reduced because they sold so many last year but I got mine reduced because of the buybacks I had from the kids tickets when they don't go yeah. So I, I got mine for about 25 quid. You know, it's... it's, it's You shouldn't be paying 40 quid for a shirt anyway. You're paying for an Umbro t-shirt with a Luton badge stitched to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> you, you definitely shouldn't be paying 55 it's, quid. And, they shouldn't, and I mean, they shouldn't be bringing six new kits out every year. That's, that, that's something I'd cross about. That is, that is the thing. It, it used to be a kit, a kit last two seasons. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes three. Yeah. yeah. But it's every season now. Yeah. All three. Every season. Yeah. And it's, and it's not right. I understand the need to make money, but don't. But don't take the piss out of fans like that. Or if you are going to take the piss out of fans, if you are going to take the piss out of fans, stop with that cobblers that football is nothing without fans. Because you can't have it both ways. Football is either something with fans or you take the piss out of fans. But you can't have it both ways. But there we are. We we will see what happens with regards to that. Because the revolution. Well, it's growing louder and louder, isn't it? All of these calls for the the cost of the game and everything else. So hopefully something changes. Um, one thing we hope will change, James, is Luton's home form. On Friday night, preferably, when the league leaders are in town, Sheffield United, I have to say they haven't struck me as a league leader type, but I looked at the league table before I come out and there they are, sat pretty on top of the table. Three wins, a draw and a defeat. Uh, we didn't score against them last season, but um, what do you make of it? Too early in the season to be talking about where they are in the league. I think the same as Luton were before that. <clears throat> win at Swansea really but uh, they got in the playoffs 
it's what you've probably got to look at and they're they're no weaker um i think they don't have billy sharp available which is no he's injured always a bonus really because he does galvanize them a bit but um you know they'll be one of those teams that uh like Bournemouth last year, who didn't manage to go straight back up, will be thinking that they need to. Um, otherwise, they'll be missing out on the top table, I guess. Um, and the guy that they got in seems to have sort of stabilised them after Chris Wilder. Um, and, and obviously, they're, they're looking up the table more. But you've got, to, you've got to hope that the Swansea game for Luton was a turning point. And the way that they uh, went about that game and played the football that you want to see and you hope that's a turning point and they can um, take it to Sheffield United. And of course it is under the lights. Well, a bit of it will be. Still in the bloody summer, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Second half. Second half will be in it. So make sure you're kicking towards the Kenny in the second half and then the the floodlights will be on. Yeah, hopefully that turns the... uh, Home form around, and then uh, Danny is another trip down the M4 um, to Cardiff. There's no James Collins to come up against this season. Uh, hopefully, we can get Alfie Doughty's knee and everything else that he left there back when we were there last time. Yeah. Put him back together. Yeah. Um, we've got a good record in Wales. Though. I think they said on the telly box the other day that we've won our last three in Wales, and I'm pretty sure that is right. So uh, yeah, let's hope it's four. I don't, I don't see Cardiff as particularly anything special. Why not? You know, if we can get a good result Friday, the momentum. That, that can carry on on the back of Swansea and into beat Sheffield. If we get a good result against Sheffield United, it takes us into Cardiff away. And why not? Why can't we go and get something there? Definitely. Yeah, why not indeed? Uh, they're not the greatest side in the world, are they? Right. Uh, you'll Just, notice I didn't ask James for a prediction on um, the game that I got him to preview because um, we know how that how that gets on. Draws for every single game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stick your neck out. Yeah. <laughs> and then we move into September, Tony, when Wigan are the visitors here. Um, obviously, just, just back up um, one at the weekend, didn't they? Um, how'd you see that one going? I expect three points from that one. Um, you know, they did well to come back up and they've made an indifferent sort of start and they fairly average so they're one of those sides that we should be looking at taking three points off if we're to progress and move up the table so um, yeah Um, but overall uh, Friday night and the Wigan game what I really want is for us to score a home goal in the championship you know (laughs) that's what I want but yeah I'll be expecting three points against Wigan yeah, I'm sure those goals will come. Uh, and then it's away to Stoke. The only away game we've got in September, having trekked the M4 left, right and centre uh, in August. Uh, we finally got that monkey off our back there last season, didn't we, when we won 2-1 there. Danny Hilton got the opener, didn't he? And uh, Cameron Jerome got the winner. How's that one going to go? No, 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 don't tell me how that one's going to go. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> Take the nil-nil now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Snap your hand off for it. <laughs> they're, not going, they're not going great guns though, are they, um, Stoke? No, and long may that continue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. fair enough. Uh, it's funny that you've we've come around to you for the Coventry um, home game, isn't it? Stuff. I haven't done it on purpose. <laughs> I'm not really not that organised. But uh, Coventry at home, obviously last season, it was the biggest win of the season. Yeah. Um, given the fact that they'll have probably have played all of three games of football in the last six months by the time they come here. Yeah. And that one will be under the lights, I would have thought, by then. Um, yeah. Got to be looking at a win there, I would have thought. I'd have, th- I'd, th- I'd have thought so. I spoke to a commentary fan when the fixtures came out, actually. He does a podcast, um, done it through Twitter, and he said to me, he said, uh, and there's something about Wednesday night under the lights at Kenilworth Road on a September evening. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> 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 and I said, from where I'm standing, mate, not a lot. Um, but that was before all the trouble they've had with um, their stadium kicking off. And I, I could do another podcast on our how rubbish that's been and what a farce that is. Um, hopefully they'd have played a couple of games by then and hopefully, hopefully I mean, I'd take last year, definitely. Take that again, no sweat. Um, I'd take nil-nil, I'd take one-nil. But I, th- I think they should be beatable. They have, I've seen, a, well, they've only played two games. I've seen, saw their opener at Sunderland. I was working that game and um, yeah, they look decent. They look all right, but they rely a lot on Giocares and uh, Callum O'Hare. Um, he's injured, isn't he? Is he? Uh, yeah, is he? Yeah. 
It's hard to well, tell. Whether, whether, yeah, I was going to say whether he's yeah. back in the six weeks since they last played or whatever. I shouldn't have thought they're all up to match fitness at the moment due to lack of games. But um, I remember if, I remember rightly, Giacarez was the one I was looking for and we kept him quiet all game. Um, I remember Jordan Clark very casually nicking the ball off Callum O'Hare as well. And they just had no answer to us. And if, if we can start again like that... Who knows? We might have a repeat. I'll take six or seven. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? That'd be handy, wouldn't it? Give uh, me bragging rights up in the Midlands <laughs> when I go back anyway. <laughs> and he shut him up about his goals at home as well. Um, final <laughs> game, be- final game before the international break. Um, Blackburn looked like they were going to fly off in this league when they won their first three games, but they've ground to a halt. Mm, They're nothing special, and I understand from people in the know with um, the. The new manager, Thomason, he's only managed in um, Sweden, I think it is, where they only play on Saturdays. And the fear he's got for Blackburn is that he doesn't know how to manage the intensity of three games in a week, which we had that problem with under Graham Jones, didn't we? So um, given that's the third game of the week, hopefully we'll pick up three points. Yeah, I I can't see any reason why not. But if you look at it, that always seems to be the case with Blackburn. Every season they go off at a... Yeah, they did last season, didn't they? And, and then they just suddenly pull up and down again. I, I expect us to win that one. Hopefully, Brereton Diaz will be on his way by then as well. He's won, isn't he? He's been linked with a big move. Hasn't yeah, he? he's yeah. been linked with all the Premier League, hasn't he? With a bit of luck, he'll have gone by the end of the window. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be handy, particularly if we've kept our um, our own heavy here. So um, draw. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Six, six, six points from James. That's uh, that's, that's absolutely handy. No, there's no reason. It's it's an it's a run that we can hopefully build up a little bit of steam, like we did in that League One season when we got a win and then whatever it was, twenty eight games unbeaten. I'm not suggesting we'll do twenty eight games unbeaten, but we've you know there's six games there that we can get a few points from. Anyway, uh, let's finish off this podcast by having a chat about Newlands Park. I should state before we chat about Newlands Park, this is now nothing to do with the football club. Uh, this is now a community issue. The football club have sold that land up at Newland Park and what is done up there now is nothing to do with the football club. However, we're all Etonians. We all have an interest in what's going on up there. And James, what we've been promised is no longer what we seem to be going to be getting. Absolute bollocks. <laughs> it's, it is, honestly. I can't see them putting them up there. <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm absolutely gutted by it, to be honest. Um, you know what? what Just we- set the scene. Obviously, we were promised a leisure facility up there, retail with amongst the odd office stuff. But now it seems all we're going to get up there is a warehouse and the gateway yeah. and the sorry and logistics. And the gateway to the town really is no more than a concrete carbuncle again. Pretty much. The idea was to prevent the leakage of entertainment and retail um, business going out of Luton because people go to Milton Keynes and down the road in London and whatnot. And now they're just going to stick big warehouses and make it a logistics centre or whatever it is. And they can bleat on all they like about some sort of gateway art or whatever nonsense they're putting up there. But, you know, we were promised this um, wonderful facility that you could be proud of and would keep people in and attract more people and um you know bring in a lot of uh business and keep a lot of uh, luton pound notes in luton and now it's just going to be what lorries and stuff like that and it's just the absolute antithesis of the dream of what we thought we were going to get and the, the people that have designed that these have, you know, hang their head in shame, really. I think they've really mugged off the people of Luton in in, in what we're getting. Um, and I know <clears throat> that for for a lot of people, maybe uh, the, the tune has changed now where they're always going, well, the stadium's the main thing. And of course it is, the stadium is the main thing and that that's getting the go-ahead. But it was supposed to be this two-pronged attack to improve the town. And it, it's not now. Um, you know, you can point to you know, the COVID pandemic and the change in habits in shopping. And I fully understand that, but, um, you're still going from the great and the good to the kind of norm of everywhere now, aren't you? There's no, there's no standout feature or anything like that. No, Luton needs, Luton needs stuff to do. Yeah. And they have completely ignored that completely ignored what people loved about those developments, completely ignored what organisations like 
um, the trust and Save Our Town did to fight for those organisations. And I, I, I was involved in that. I put you know a lot of my time and a lot of my soul in, in, in to fight for those things. And it was both of those things for me because I'm a Lutonian and and I'm slap bang in the middle of both of them. And I was looking forward to occasionally popping up to New Lunan's Park for a beer and a bit of food or and, and doing the same when the football was on or you know a bit of music at Power Court and stuff. And so hopefully. That sort of stuff still happens at Power Court, and we, you know, we obviously get to see the, the full detailed planning application. But um, you know, because Luton Town Football Club and Twenty Twenty are still behind that, I've got a lot of faith in that. But you know, they, they, they've because of the situation uh, in the world and the current climate and the economics and all that, they've had to sell off that land to other uh, uh, developments uh, at Newlands Park, and, and that benefit the club so that's good but the people that have taken that over have just mugged us all off really and uh, it's it's got the go ahead now isn't it so it's going to happen and um, it's absolute waste I guess it's easy to say that once the club sold the land that the writing was on the wall for that anyway because no one else really had the same dream of Luton, dream for Luton that the football club have. I mean, even the council, I don't really think have the same dream. You know, they talk, they talk that they do, but I don't think they just want action rather so than dreams, don't yeah. they? Really, the council, um, and so really, uh, there was an there was an unfortunate sense of inevitability about it, but it's still no less disappointing. Exactly, I think once again the 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 people of Luton have been shortchanged. Um, and you, 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 you look at what's going to go there and they said, yeah, there will still be some offices and the hotel thing is gone now as well. And, and I, I couldn't believe it because I, I always thought that the council turned around and said they wanted a, a, a real gateway to Luton and they'd never let logistics go there. So they've changed that. And, and the thing is, it's now, you know, in a few years' time, when you're driving up or down the motorway and you get to Junction 10, it'll be like driving past Junction 13, Junction 14, yeah. like the approach to Milton Keynes. Yeah. Yeah. We always said we didn't want that. Now, Luton badly needs regeneration. You know, more and more retailers are pulling out of the town. Now, I understand that times have changed and the retail is no longer the place it should be but we've lost Marks and Spencers we've lost Debenhams everything you go in it's all cheap and second rate and yeah you know not only I, I think that the council got to bear some of the blame and, and, and these new developers there but capital and regional mm. let's not let them still, off the hook you know no. the uh, reason that responsible it's all delayed for a lot of this yeah because they did that kick it into the long grass and stuck their heels in the ground and really forced the issue against the will of the people, and which is why we had to fight so much against them. They've mugged us off. We knew they were mugging us off. That's why we fought them. And now they're looking to sell up the mall and piss off. Yeah. Because yeah. They've, done the, they've done the damage and now they're just going to piss off. It's, 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 it's typical, um, you know, venture capitalism, you know, uh, you've got an organisation like this who are supposedly losing money, but they still pay their directors and their CEO exorbitant yeah. amounts of money and the same to their shareholders. So they don't give a monkey's about them. No matter what they say, they, they didn't care. And you look at our town centre in the evening, it's still like a ghost town. There's nothing there to bring people in. And it it it's soul destroying, yeah. you know. I, I, I we've already talked earlier about I'm old enough to remember certain dinosaurs, things, but I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. okay, that's it, that's one all. Okay, I'll get you, you bugger. Um, no, it's um, but I, I can when this town had character, you know, you'd go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And the town centre would be buzzing. Well, that's with things to do, and and what what there is now, and what there currently is, is you know set to be absolutely obliterated by the cost of living crisis in the winter. Yeah, they're talking about seventy percent of pubs in the country going out. going to the wall, and chippies, even fish and chip shops are going, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. but that's that's the thing. I mean, forget the change in 
retail habits. And uh, let's be honest, I'll be honest, most of my shopping's done online. So I can't really, I can't really criticize about the shopping side. But the leisure side of things, there's so much that Luton could could still do. I mean, we've got one cinema, haven't we? Which is about to go bust. But we've got one cinema and that's down down in the town centre. So you've got nothing at that neck of the woods anyway for a cinema. Can you invest in food banks? Because that seems to be the one growth area in the country. Exactly, absolutely, and that's well, that in itself. I'll let you know when I'll let you know when I have to go there in the winter. Eh? Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not far off myself, James. Yeah, you so. know, there is there is literally no um, excuse for no leisure for for no leisure being up there, other than obviously these developers don't give a shit about the town. They don't care about. It, they just want the stuff that they are routinely putting forward. Um, it's just going to be capability green too. The yeah. business are there and no one else. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing there. And you can see the, the difference in like when the football club owned the ground, owned the, the area, like the plans they had. Yeah. You know, in, in comparison to every other town. I mean, on my way down past Milton Keynes, past Northampton, whereas is everywhere, like we said earlier. And do, do we really do we really need another another one of those? No, we fucking don't. We've got well, warehouses you, you, all you over the place. You look at Junction 11A when yeah. you come out of Luton. It's, it's just a shite house. Yeah, warehouses, massive warehouses. What, what really are you going to get? That um, Amazon are already at Dunstable, so they're not going to move, yeah. and that's the biggest one there is. So what are you going to get? It's just second rate again. Is it, is it's it, second rate uh, logistics as well, isn't yeah. it? It's not even like you might. What, you, what's the you big might one get your near Eleven? It's either Lidl or um, Aldi. Yeah, isn't it? Lidl. Yeah, yeah. it's enormous. Yeah. yeah, there's a pizza out one in Milton Keynes as well. Oh, Domino's, sorry, it's the most overrated pizza going. Yeah. And what makes me laugh is like the, the Amazon places, you go past Junction 13 and they're all painted different shades of blue to try and make them blend in. Stand out, yeah. But it doesn't blend in. Well, it just looks an eyesore, it, it, it doesn't it? It just looks awful, real eyesore. <clears throat> but yeah. the, the thing is, you, you want something. I'm a family man myself. I know you've got yeah. kids as well. You've got great-grandkids, haven't you? <laughs> no, not quite. Not, not quite, not yet. Not, not quite. Not yet. Three grandkids, so, Three yeah. Good. Yeah. But you, you he can come something. back on again, he can. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. But he's, uh, do you know what? If he thinks he's getting out of here tonight without a kick in the bottle... <laughs> <laughs> it's no worse than I get out of my back. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're young people, uh, and we want something to do in the evening, whether it's going bowling or cinema or whatnot. And for, for the most parts of it like when I was in my 20s you know if, if I lived in Luton and wanted to go out the best nights out were in Milton Keynes or London I need somewhere yeah. to go to my Zimmer frame mate well downstairs in the bingo hall <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we'll get a stairlift installed um, <laughs> but yeah and f- for Luton I mean as someone who's lived outside of the area for virtually all my life now um, people always ask they always say oh Luton's a bit tired and it? it's a bit of a shithole and whatnot." and I was, well yeah but they, you know they, they're trying and with this when Luton first developed the Newlands Park idea that was something to boast about was, yeah. well yeah we're going to build a new ground that was exciting. But, it, but the council yeah. aren't paying for it we're paying yeah. for it by yeah. another bit of land and mm. you know it, and it's going to bring people in and, it, and it's going to of course Covid happened and it shot everything out the window and Luton had to cut the losses sort of thing and Unfortunately, it's been sold the easy way, just to make someone money. And it's, James is right. Only. If this yeah. hadn't been for capital and regional, this would have all been done for about five years ago. Oh, we'd, we'd, we'd be in power court. We'd be in power court yeah. as well. So yeah, yeah don't let, don't let them off the hook. But no. you know, part of the part of my excitement of it was because I'm I'm Lutonian. Um, you know, That's yeah, I, you know, I, I want my town to improve. But I've now got kids, kids and I want my kids to grow up in a town they're proud of yeah yeah and are they going to be proud of fucking great big warehouses with lorries going in now i hear a lot of these days james and it's a a, more and more people that you talk to youngsters i want to move out to the villages i want to move my daughter's moved to flitic which i don't blame you know young family and it's a nice place but you know more and more people are doing that yeah and it's it shouldn't be like that it's even less in flitic though isn't it if you use that example they've got They've got virtually no. You've got a Tesco, and that's it, really. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's I'll just... grow up on a farm. You just you yet what you, <laughs> <laughs> you killed what yet, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, it's um... It's, um, it's disappointing though, isn't it? I mean, like I said right at the start of this, this is no longer a football club issue. The football club, the stadium will go ahead because of the funds that the football club got from selling the land. However, if you are a Lutonian, and there's many of you that listen to this, and four of us here that are contributing to it. We are disappointed with the promises that were made that we've been let down on. And unfortunately, 
there's not a lot well there's absolutely nothing we can do about it now that the plans have gone through other than voice our displeasure and uh, they had a, they had a, what, a four week consultation for you to submit your views on what on whether you but they didn't it. really publicise it no. particularly much did they and because it, they knew that they would no, they knew not what was, was yeah exactly exactly yeah. there was even even that it wasn't you weren't going to be able to do anything, was you? It, it, once the land was sold, it was pretty much the dream went with it. It's amazing there's been nothing on it till, till now, because I always remember growing up that Junction 10 was the big plan for the football Yeah, well, that, that was the reason why we formed as a trust, because of Gurney wanted it up there, yeah, didn't he? And the ill-fated Cola Dome as well. Yeah, and, uh, you it's know... It's the Formula 1 track on stilts over the M1. I can't Brilliant wait for journey. that. Brilliant yeah, dream, that. It's, it's just... It's disappointing, but oh yeah, I mean, disappointing doesn't even cut it really. I mean, it's it's just. I was trying to be yeah, what's the word? Age, diplomatic. Yeah. That's the yeah. word I was trying to be. Yeah. I'm the dip. I'm the diplomatic um, one of the four of us. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, um, it's well, it's more than it's more than a shame. It, the diplomatic one. It really is. Well, you know, there are exceptions to every diplomat in life, um, Tony. Um, as regards power call, we'll we'll, um, we'll have a similar discussion on that next month because I believe that we might get some updates between now and then. So uh, we will be back during the international break with our next podcast. Um, all that's left is to thank the three chaps for joining me this evening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. I'd like to thank the Hightown Club for hosting us. Uh, we really appreciate their support. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. And well, ignore James's predictions and come on, you at us. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. All of us.